We're going to spend the first uh, eight weeks or so talking about um, the year that is ahead and um, perhaps out of some of the things that the Lord said today and um, out of some of the things that he will say this evening and, uh, and so on. And I'm going to uh, be putting together a schedule of teaching uh, related to uh, the year that is ahead, and we'll tell you more about that as we come. But I'm going to teach the first session, and perhaps the first two sessions, on the subject of tearing down idols. Amen. The Lord has just really put this in my heart uh, to the point that it's keeping me awake. Um, and when something is really keeping me awake, then I know that I need to bring it to you. But it needs to be in an environment like Wednesday night. And so uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks, the first, the first couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about tearing down idols. So if there, is a, if, the, if there is a spot in your life that keeps reoccurring, are you listening? If there's a spot in your life that keeps reoccurring, there's an idol to be torn down. If there's an issue that keeps rising up, there's an idol to be torn down. Uh, and, and you may not be consciously aware other than you just keep having these circumstances arise. You keep saying, Lord, am I here again? And if you find yourself in that situation, uh, most definitely there's an idol that needs to be torn down. And I'm going to help you with that. And the Lord is going to help you with that to tear down those idols that keep bringing you back to the same spot. Because God doesn't want you to spend this year in the same spot. And so, uh, but, but otherwise, for everybody, the Wednesday evening, when we resume on the 10th, we're going to begin uh, with the emphasis of, uh, for a few weeks, ta- about eight or nine weeks, talking about the year that is ahead and, and what God is saying and, and what he is doing. And my voice will not be the only one you hear in, those, in that period of time. But the first two weeks, we're going to talk about tearing down idols. I just feel that from the Lord, and, and that's what we'll do. So, Okay, uh, get your Bibles. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4 and Ephesians probably chapter 1 this morning. Uh, we've been on this journey. We've been talking about uh, the fullness of time coming, uh, and our declaration has been, my time has arrived. Remember that? Everybody just, just say that. My time has arrived. Amen. All right. I want to read uh, this text uh, completely here. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through, um, I don't know, 7 or 8 or so here. Um, read along with me if you'd like. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Let me show you the implications of this. As long as the heir is a minor, he has no advantage over the slave, though legally he owns the entire inheritance. He's subject to tutors and administrators until whatever date the father has set for emancipation. I'd like to emancipate me some kids. <laughs> yes, some parents said amen to that. Uh, th- this, is, this is the way it is with us. When we were minors, we were just like slaves or servants ordered around by simple instructors. I didn't like being a kid. I didn't like being ordered around by instructors. I like being an adult. I like being ordered around by God. I'd rather God give me my instructions. But anyway, when we were minors, we were just like 
servants or slaves ordered around by simple instructions that tutors and administrators of this world with no say in the conduct of our own life. But when the time arrived, but when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who had been kidnapped by the law. You didn't know you were kidnapped. That we have been set free, thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Abba, Father. Doesn't that uh, privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave? but a child. And if you're a child, then an heir with complete access to the inheritance. We talked last week about why Jesus came. And I want to talk to you today about why you came. The reality of it is is this, and I've grown up in in Christian environments and Pentecostal uh, environments and, and we are to live, it, we, we are trained and we are taught to live in anticipation of what God is going to do. I've lived my whole life. I am 50, going to be 51 years old this year. <gasps> and I have lived 51 years in anticipation of what God will do next. And if I live 51 more years, I will live 51 more years in anticipation of what God is about to do in the earth. So there's nothing wrong with that anticipation. But there is a danger in that anticipation. And the danger of living in anticipation of what God is going to do is that I have lived my life watching people miss what God is doing. If you are so in anticipation of what God is going to do, then what God is doing becomes anticlimactic in your life. And it breaks my heart to know that what God is doing in the lives of his people today is somehow anticlimactic because they have their heart so set on what he might do in the future. That's from the Lord. I've not even, I've seen that and lived in frustration regarding it and not really been able to articulate it quite like that until today. And I know that it's by the Spirit. Do not live in such anticipation of what God will do that what he is doing is anticlimactic in your life. Because you miss the moment. My wife and I have this thing, we, we, we love family gatherings and we love uh, the joy of all being together and after it's all over we we both look at each other and we say man I should have got my camera out but we've watched folks who had cameras that were so busy taking pictures they missed what was going on they didn't enjoy they were so busy videotaping and taking pictures of the moment that they didn't participate in the moment And you see, that's the way that we as believers so often live our lives, that we live in anticipation of the moment and we miss the moment. 
So there is this thing, there is this, there's this habit within the context of the body of Christ, even, even when we prophesy and encourage one another. Because you see, the way God sees you, God sees you complete. He sees you whole. He sees you with no lack. He says in his word, you are perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's, that's verbatim what the word says. We are complete in him. So when he looks at you, he sees you complete. So you walk up to some guy that doesn't, that doesn't have anything going on in his life and everything's falling apart and he's going around the same mountain over and over again and he's constantly in frustration and you get up next to him and when you get up, up next to him and you get it, it, uh, up close and the Lord begins to speak about his life and you begin to feel what's going on in his heart and, and what he's praying about and what he's asking God to do and you begin to prophesy to him and it sounds like he's a guy that's got it all together. Because the way God sees him is what God speaks. God doesn't speak what, what is going on today. He speaks what he sees. So when God looks at you and when God talks about you, he talks about you the way he sees you. Fully complete. So, God, God, so someone will walk up and they get next to you and they go, ooh, man of faith, what an anointing of God that's in your life. I, and they, they begin to feel what God feels about you. And so they begin to speak what, prophetically what God sees about you. And you're like, that's not me. Person, a, 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 a person with a gift of faith? Someone who believed God for anything? I haven't been able to believe God for rent. Are you with me? Are you with me? Talking about why you came. You came for now. You came for now. The assignment of God that is over your life is is a today assignment. The anointing of God that is over your life is a today anointing. The blessing of God that is over your life is a today blessing. Let me help you. Let's go back in there and read again. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, he sent his son born among us of a woman, born under the circumstances, the previous circumstances, born under what was, so that he might redeem those of us who had been kidnapped by what was, who were living in the frustration of what was. How many are living in the frustration of the past? Us, you know, we live in the frustration of the past. And what this is telling you is that if you live under the restrictions of the past, he came to set you free from that. This is, this is a tr- the transitional point in, in scriptural history where God dreamed that he would set some people free. And then he sent Jesus, and then God said, okay, you're free now. And we're all like, well, when did that happen? <laughs> but God's looking at you, and he's saying, you're free now. Okay, you're free now, just like that word, Becky, when, when John gave a, word, a message in tongues, the interpretation was, okay, you're free, don't go back to the old stuff. Isn't that what he said? Okay, today I set you free. Don't go back to living like yesterday from this point on. Was that not a word for this moment? 
since we're in Galatians chapter 4. And the message today is, that's gone. This is now established. So, he said, in, uh, when the time arrived, it was set by God the Father. God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been uh, kidnapped or restricted by the law. So we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You were born to experience your rightful heritage. If you had not been born to experience your rightful heritage, you would have been born before the cross. Hallelujah. I always tell people I'm so glad I was born now. God knew that I could not handle horse, buggy, and outhouse. He knew that that was not the makeup of who I am. So he let me be born in this generation, the iPad generation. The generation where we can communicate in a moment with someone halfway around the world. God, let me be born now because this is my time. He let you come to the earth now. Thank you. There's a little chorus over here. Rachel might have to come and direct that. Hallelujah. I'm going to start paying you to say amen. (laughs) Mordecai told Esther in in Esther uh, chapter 4, he said, I want you to consider, uh, Esther, that perhaps you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. So I want you to just think about that. Well, the reality of it was she came right then. Right then, she was there, right then at the point of need. You are in your life at the point of a need that you are equipped to address. Don't miss that waiting for the big thing God's going to do tomorrow. You see, we've prayed, the Bible, the the word says, just let's talk about the church at large, and then we'll get down to some individual things. The, the word says, ask for the nations and I'll give them to you. And I spent my life in, in, in churches that have said, oh God, give us the nations. And, and even this house was established with the nations in its heart. And we've been in the nations of the world and we've cried out for the nations. And now the nations are living right next door to us. And we are afraid to go over and knock on the door. And take the word of the Lord to the nation that is living next door. And so the nations walk by us in their national attire. And we say things like, you moved to America, change clothes. I'm guilty. Learn English. I was thinking about a woman in, in, the, in, in my history who saw a God moment. I attended a Pentecostal church across town growing up. And there was a season of time because of unrest and, 
and, and war and famine in the Hmong and Laotian uh, nations, the, the government began to bring to the United States the Hmong and Laotian people. You remember when that happened years ago. I was a child. So they set them up in apartment houses and section eights and all those kinds of things to assist them and get on their feet and help them figure out how to, to find little corners of property and plant gardens and strawberry fields and thank God for the Hmong and Laotian people that, that grow those wonderful strawberries that we eat every summer. There's a fruit stand right by my house and I thank God for it. Support it regularly. But anyway, there was this lady in our church. Somehow she began to drive by those apartments and she began to see those little Hmong and Laotian kids out there. And she began to think, oh, they need to hear about Jesus. That's why God brought them to this nation, so somebody would tell them about Jesus. So she said, Lord, I don't don't know how to reach these, these kids. I don't know how to help these people know Jesus. And so she just began to walk around the apartments and talk to the little kids. And one day she found a girl who could speak English. And so she talked to a little girl who spoke English. And she realized as she talked to her and got to know her a little bit that that those people didn't know how to shop in our markets. They didn't know how to cook with our food. They didn't know know how to to use the spices that were available here. Those mamas didn't know how to take care of their families in this environment. They were digging holes in their floor and lighting fires in the middle of their apartment because they didn't know how to use a stove. And she realized that if she could show them how to prepare, how to buy a chicken here because they weren't raising them here. They were used to their chickens hatching out in the backyard. So they didn't know that you could go into Save Mart and buy a chicken. And she, she, so she took this little girl and she said, introduce me to your mama. And she began to answer mama's questions about how to cook in America, how to get a hold of the things that they needed. And out of those relationships, she began to tell those children about Jesus, and that little girl became her interpreter. And do you know she began to take carloads of those kids to the church that she was attending, and the church that she was attending said, don't bring those kids here. We don't want them here. And her heart was broken. Because we've asked for the nations and God sent them and then we haven't known what to do with them now that they're here. So fortunately, she found the church that we were attending and our pastor said, bring them on, we'll get you a bus. And he began to buy old buses and get people to drive them over. And she began to bring those kids to Sunday school and they gave her an entire building and she filled it with little Hmong and Laotian kids and a little girl that would interpret for her while she told them about Jesus. And they'd drive the bus, and I don't know, her name was Cooper, so I don't know, they'd drive the bus up to the corner and they'd holler Mrs. Cooper and all these little kids would run out and get on the bus. And for years she brought him to church and the Hmong and Laotian children's ministry was larger than the, than the, the congregation in the church. And folks were like, here, let me buy gas. Let me help you. Let me get these kids to church. Let's tell them about Jesus. Don't, I said all that to say, don't miss the moment. 
if she had missed that moment with that little girl on the corner, take me and introduce me to your mama and become friends with that community, she would have never got her first bus. And for years, she taught Hmong and Laotian kids in our Sunday school department. They gave her the entire fellowship hall just for Hmong and Laotian kids. And they paid for all the gas. She took them turkeys at Thanksgiving and taught them how to celebrate Thanksgiving. And, began, and, and then those kids began to know Jesus and they began to tell their mom and daddy about Jesus. Don't miss the moment. We miss the moment waiting for the big thing that God will do when God's waiting for the little thing that we'll be obedient in. He can't make us ruler over many until we're faithful over the few. It's the opportunity that you have to sit down. Oh, here we go. With the Timothy book. 24 weeks across the table from someone who needs to get their root down in Jesus. And then see if God does something big with that. Who cares if he does or if he doesn't? You know what the reality of it is? The majority of the big things, oh, uh, this is so in my spirit. The majority of the big things that that God's going to do out of your obedience, you're never going to see. Because I want to tell you something. I've raised my children to know God. And they will raise their children to know God. And by the time my great-grandchildren are knowing God and preaching in the nations, I will be dead. But God will have to tell me what came of the heritage and the investment out of my obedience. I don't need to see it. I'm not looking for the glory anyway. I'm looking to be obedient in this moment. Some great folks who paid to purchase this property many years ago before I, when I was a child or before, huh, Roger? I don't know. How long has this property been here? 1950, before I was born. Before I was born, someone dreamed that this corner would be the house of the Lord and would be a property that was set aside unto God. And people invested in a dream in this place, and they gave out of their time and their life and their checkbooks, and, and they brought their money, and they laid it at the feet of the cross, and they said, God, do something great on Bullard and Angus when this was all just trees, big trees. Somebody dreamed a dream that got us to where we are today, standing in a building that's paid for so that we can worship God in freedom and liberty without some heavy burden over us. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. God God has got some moments ahead of you. And the big things in God depend on the obedience in the moment. Nathaniel's not here today, so I get to talk about him. Okay, John? <laughs> I meet with Nathaniel every week with, with Timothy program. We sit down. We go through the word together. And he sits there like a little bird in a nest, eating the word of the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen out of his life. I don't know what great things God is going to do in that young man, but he's so hungry for Jesus, and he's so hungry for the things of the Lord. And every day when he leaves, I say, Nathaniel, go pray in the Spirit. Go home and pray in tongues. 
Go home and get in your room and call on God and pray in the Spirit. I don't know what's being cultivated there. God hasn't given me much past next year or the year after. I have some ideas about how Nathaniel and I are going to walk together and how I'm going to disciple him in his future. But, but beyond that, I don't know what God's plan is for that young man. I don't know if he'll set his foot in the nations or if he'll, if he'll uh, pastor a church or if he'll work in, in a, 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 a vocation in the earth and carry the word of the Lord into a workplace. I don't know what God has planned. That matters not to me. It only matters that we don't miss the moment. Your time has arrived. You're here now. Don't miss the moment. My wife's one of the greatest mothers that I have ever seen because she has in her heart a priority that her children will know God that they will know security and love, that they will learn to stand upon their own two feet and strengthen the earth, and that they will be productive in society. And I've told you this before, I'm going to tell you again. When we're sitting at the counter doing homework, praying over those little kids, that God will help them absorb and retain what they learn, there's no great anointing in that moment. But when I think about the fact that the children that we are now raising would have been sought out by gangs and drug dealers and prostitutes. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. If you miss the moment, you never see the big thing that God will do. God's doing some big things right now but we don't call them big things. We don't value them. Because whenever we show up to teach a Bible study, three people show up and we're disappointed because there's not 10. When what God wanted us to do was invest in those three with all of our heart. When I'm preparing to bring a word to this house, it doesn't matter to me If there's seven or 70 or 700, the same investment goes into the preparing. Because I know that the the ears that are before my voice are the ones that God is saying that word to. All the rest of them can get it on the website. Don't miss the moment. We have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. That's why you came. Your rightful heritage is the fullness of God. Everything that Jesus is, is your rightful heritage. Everything that is a deposit of the Holy Spirit is your rightful heritage. Your rightful heritage is to be able to walk through the grocery store and have the word of the Lord in your mouth for somebody who's discouraged in that place. Your rightful heritage is to never again face a situation where you go, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. When you can walk into the throne room of God and ask Him and He'll tell you what's going on. Your rightful heritage is to never fall apart when everything else is falling apart. 
when everyone else is falling apart, that you stand up and say, I have a word from God that will carry me. Let it all fall apart. I don't care if it falls apart. He'll put it back together. Because I'm not living in the circumstances. I'm living in the word that he has spoken over my life. You're living not in the circumstances of your life. Stop living in the circumstances of your life and start living in the promise of your life. So I want you to consider that you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. So he says, I want you to have this assurance. We've been set free to experience our rightful heritage and you can tell for sure how many want to be sure i'm telling you uh, does, doesn't it doesn't it just irritate the snot out of you when that's a terrible thing to say when someone who's been walking with jesus for many years is just like oh, it's just, i don't know what's going on i don't know what's up with god i don't know what's up with me when the word says you can tell for sure. How do you tell for sure? You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives. Why would anyone walking with God not want in their life the fullness of the Spirit of God. Is the, it is the assurance of His promise to you. The, the, the fact that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in this house, the fact that the Holy Spirit has come as a deposit into your life is your assurance. It is the seal of God upon your life that He's ordering your steps, that He's moving in you, that He has a desire and a plan for you that He wants to bring about and fulfill in you. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. I have seen folks deny ministry opportunities because it wasn't big enough or grand enough. They don't preach here. I, you deserve better than that. Somebody call and ask for an opportunity to preach here and then tell me they have to have a certain amount of money to come. They ain't coming here. They're hireling. Go preach somewhere where they like folks like that. You deserve better than that. I deserve better than that. People of God deserve better than that. I don't know where that came from, but anyway... So listen to this. He asks this question. And I want to leave you with this this morning or else I'll get on another roll and we'll go for 20 more minutes. Doesn't the privilege... The pri- listen to this question. This is so awesome. Doesn't the privilege of intimate conversation with God... Make it plain to you that you are no longer a slave, but a child. 
a slave, a servant, an employee does not come to the employer or to the master of the house and say, let's just sit and talk a while. You know what, you know what the employer would say? I hired you to do a job. You're wasting my time. I didn't come here to be your friend. I'm your employer. Get to work. Right? How many of you, as employees, would go in to your boss's office and sit for eight hours? Let's just talk. How far would that go? Let me see. I have a drawer with some pink slips in here. Let's just talk. You're on the clock. So you're a servant. You're hired to do a particular task. So, consider, doesn't the privilege of intimate conversation with God, doesn't the invitation to come and sit and have an intimate relationship with God make it plain to you that you're no longer just a servant in the kingdom? That you're now worthy of inheritance. Oh, good Lord, we live so far below our potential. And he explains, if you're a child, you guys should memorize Galatians 4, 1 through 7. If you're a child, you're also an heir with complete access. Your access to God is the seal upon your life. The word says that God puts a seal upon his people. It's the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's the seal of access. It's the seal of intimate conversation with God. It's the seal that, that allows you to go and say anything you need that needs to be said in his presence. You can even tell him if you're a little upset with him, he can handle it. He's a big God. Don't say God never disappoint you. He'll disappoint you over and over again. If what you're wanting isn't what he's doing, you're going to be, if what you're wanting is not what he's doing, you're going to be disappointed because I guarantee you he's not. So if what he's doing is different than what you had planned, go tell him you're disappointed. And then get over it. And get in his plan. Then you won't be disappointed anymore. You're a child of God. An heir with complete access. That's why you came. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. In this place, in this vision, in this house in what God is doing in this city, when you go to work and you sit in your desk tomorrow, Tuesday, whatever day you return to work, when you sit down in your place of work, would you sit down with the understanding that you are the planting of the Lord in that moment, in that place with an assignment from Him so that you don't miss the moment? There's folks who go to work, don't don't even do a good job because they don't plan to stay there. They're looking for something better. But that's not the heart of a believer. That's not the heart of faith. Don't miss the moment. There's a great moment in front of you this year. There's a great moment 
in an opportunity to disciple someone that's struggling in their faith. There's a great moment in an opportunity to lay hands upon someone who's sick or to encourage someone with a word in season. There's a great moment in your life. Don't miss the moment. What if the person that you encourage, I I really want, when I get to heaven, to find the person that led Billy Graham to Jesus and have a conversation with him about that moment. Because I would bet that they probably went on to be with Jesus before he ever gained any kind of notoriety in the earth. Some old Sunday school teacher that had just served in her little classroom for 30, 40 years in the Baptist church and she already had one foot in the grave and led one more to Jesus. It's just how I kind of envision that. And then she just slipped on into eternity and the man led the world to hear the word of God. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. Church of Living Water, the word of the Lord to you today is don't miss the moment. What God is doing in anticipation of what he will do. Let's stand together.